Hi, this is Pastor Robert Blanchard from Lansing First United Methodist Church here in Lansing, Michigan. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out our sermon podcast. And if you want to learn more about what we do here at Lansing First, or you want to support us in our mission of going deep, reaching out, and loving Lansing, you can do so online at lansingfirst.org. Thanks. Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death. He was to die. The Gospel of the Lord. Author of life, we thank you for your word and we ask that your spirit would be with us this morning to transform us in heart and mind and soul. Amen. As we draw closer to Easter and Good Friday, we are reminded once again that Jesus' mission on earth is not going to end peacefully. A few weeks ago, we heard him saying very similar things in Mark's gospel to what we heard this morning from John. Those who love their life will lose it. Those who hate their life will keep it forever. In Mark, Jesus told his disciples to pick up their crosses Here, he tells his followers that in order to be faithful, they have to be servants to him. So does Jesus really mean that we have to hate our life in order to be his servants? Do we have to be miserable and glum and self-loathing? No, what he means is that if we are to serve faithfully, 
then we must love the word of God more than we love this life. If being a faithful servant means having to make a decision between self-sacrifice and obedience, then we are expected to choose obedience. It can sometimes be easy for us, knowing how the story ends, to think that Jesus went gladly to his death. Our line of reasoning can be something like this. We know that Jesus achieved our salvation on the cross. Therefore, Jesus must have been sent to die on the cross. Therefore, he must have gladly accepted his fate. But there are a few problems with this line of reasoning. The first is this, if it was simply the death of Jesus that achieved our salvation, then why didn't Mary let Herod kill Jesus as an infant? He was just as innocent of sin as an infant as he was as an adult. So what difference should it make when his blood was spilled? The other problem is that today's reading is one of several that shows us the anguish that Jesus felt about where his ministry was taking him. My soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Remember that Even though Jesus was of one nature with God and fully divine, he is also of one nature with humanity and fully human. He didn't have a death wish, but he knew that obedience to God's mission was going to have consequences. So this morning, let's consider for a few minutes what it looks like for us to have the same kind of faithful obedience that Jesus had. Let us consider what it means to serve him so that we will be honored by the Father. And I want to do that by talking about Archbishop Oscar Romero. He was formally canonized as a saint by the Roman Catholic Church just a few years ago in 2018, so you may have heard of him. But if you haven't, let me tell you a little bit about who he was. Archbishop Romero was an El Salvadoran priest who had a fairly unremarkable career until he became archbishop. He had spent most of his time in the priesthood, slowly working his way up the church hierarchy, and was known for being a pretty straight-laced conservative person. When he was made the archbishop over all of El Salvador, his appointment was received with mixed reactions. The government, which had been waging a war on its own people, was glad to hear that such a conservative figure had been named, while progressive elements in the country were disappointed. This all changed less than three weeks after Romero became an archbishop. On March 12, 1977, one of his priests and his personal friend, Rutio Grande, was assassinated by the government for his activism with the poor. Suddenly, Romero became a vocal critic, or a vocal advocate for the poor in his country, and a critic of the government's dirty war against its own people. Over the course of time, his denunciations of the government, the military, and the United States for our support of their violent government became plainer and more direct. 
In late 1979, 1979, a military coup overthrew the already brutal government only to replace it with one that was more violent. On February 17, 1980, Archbishop Romero wrote a pastoral letter to President Jimmy Carter, appealing to him as a fellow Christian to end support for the military junta. In his letter, Romero wrote of the news that the U.S. would be sending more arms into the country by saying, Instead of favoring greater justice and peace in El Salvador, your government's contribution will undoubtedly sharpen the injustice and the the repression inflicted on the organized people, whose struggle has often been for respect for their most basic human rights. The present government junta, and especially the armed forces and security forces, have unfortunately not demonstrated their capacity to resolve and practice the nation's serious political and structural problems. For the most part, they have resorted to repressive violence, producing a total of deaths and injuries much greater than under the previous military regime, whose systematic violation of human rights was reported by the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. In closing, he appealed once again to President Carter's faith, writing, I hope that your religious sentiments and your feelings for the defense of human rights will move you to accept my petition, thus avoiding greater bloodshed in this suffering country. Romero's pleas fell on deaf ears. Just over a month after sending that letter, Archbishop Romero gave perhaps his most famous sermon in which he appealed directly to the people of the nation to stop the violence. He closed his sermon by saying, I would like to make an appeal especially to the men of the army and concretely to the National Guard, the police, and the troops. Brothers, you are a part of our own people. You are killing your own brother and sister campesinos. And against any order a man may give to kill, God's law must prevail. You shall not kill. No soldier is obliged to obey an order against the law of God. No one has to observe an immoral law. It is now time for you to reclaim your conscience and to obey your conscience rather than the command to sin. The church defends the rights of God, the law of God, and the dignity of the human person, and therefore cannot remain silent before such abominations. We want the government to understand well that the reforms are worth nothing if they are stained with so much blood. In the name of God, then, and in the name of this suffering people whose laments rise up each day more tumultuously toward heaven, I beg you, I beseech you, I order you, in the name of God, stop the repression. The liberation the church preaches is just as we have studied it today in the Holy Bible. It is a liberation that respects above all the dignity of the person, the saving power of the common good of the people, and the transcendent vision that looks first toward God 
and derives its hope and its strength from God alone. Let us now proclaim our faith in this truth. The next day, Archbishop Romero would receive an answer to his appeal. He was preaching a small mass on the anniversary of the death of a family friend. In that sermon, he made reference to today's gospel reading that if the grain dies, then it will produce a crop. In his short homily, he said, This holy woman we are remembering today perhaps could not do anything directly, but she encouraged those who were doing something. She understood their struggle, and she above all prayed. Even after death, she speaks to us a message from eternity telling us that our work is worthwhile. If we illuminate with Christian hope our intense longings for justice and peace and all this good, then we can be sure that no one dies forever. If we have imbued our work with a sense of great faith, love of God, and hope for humanity, then all our endeavors will lead to the splendid crown that is the sure reward for the work of sowing truth, justice, love, and goodness on earth. Our work does not remain here. It is gathered and purified by the Spirit of God and returned to us as reward. As his sermon came to a close, he shifted his attention to the Eucharist in which they were about to partake. He said, this holy mass of thanksgiving then is just such an act of faith. By Christian faith, we know that at this moment, the host of wheat becomes the body of the Lord, who offered himself for the redemption of the world, and that the wine in this chalice is transformed into the blood that was the price of salvation. May this body that was immolated and this flesh that was sacrificed for humankind also nourish us so that we can give our bodies and our blood to suffering and pain, as Christ did, not for our own sake, but to bring justice and peace to our people. Let us therefore join closely together in faith and hope at this moment of prayer for Doña Sarita and ourselves. It was then that a shot rang out and fatally wounded Archbishop Romero. Although there has never been a conviction of Romero's killer, the widely accepted consensus is that the killer was one of the men trained at the School of the Americas under the Carter administration. To this day, former President Carter has yet to repent for his policies in Latin America, which claimed the life of Archbishop Romero and so many other faithful Christians. Like Christ, Archbishop Romero knew where his ministry was taking him. He had seen a number of his priests and laity killed for act advocating on behalf of the poor. Near the end of his life, he knew that he was in danger. But to be a faithful servant of Christ, he had no other path to walk. So what led this fairly conservative priest 
to become such a political lightning rod? And what does the martyrdom of a Latin American archbishop have to say to those of us living 31 years later? The editors of his complete sermons summarize it beautifully and succinctly by writing, speaking about the political reality in this way was something new for Romero. It meant making the suffering of the poor a matter of ultimate importance, a reality beyond which there was nothing more ultimate. Whether the church got involved in politics or not was not of ultimate importance. If we go to the heart of the matter, what was ultimate for Romero was not the church and ecclesial concerns, but God and the suffering people. What was called for above all was obedience to God and defense of the people. God and the suffering people, without being confused, were for Romero always inextricably related. This care for the suffering poor as an essential component of the gospel was voiced by Romero in his final public homily when he made his appeal to end the repression in the name of God and in the name of the suffering poor. Now we may not be faced with threats to our lives as immediate as Archbishop Romero was. But that does not mean that our integrity and our obedience to the gospel can be any less. There are among us the suffering poor, and we are compelled by the commands of God to be just as fervent in our defense of their dignity and as sincere in our compassion. The gospel does not call us to obedience to any political system or to any system of government or any economic system or even to any denominational structure. We are called only to obedience to God. So in this moment, there may be things that cause us to wish that we could call out to God and say, Father, save me from this hour. None of us have enjoyed the sacrifices that have been made because of the pandemic. None of us relish the prospect of a denominational schism. None of us wants to live through conflict and strife. But when we center our prayers on ourselves, we move our concern away from the suffering of others. And when we get wrapped up in our own suffering, we forget that we are called to serve others, especially those who are suffering more greatly than ourselves. This Wednesday will be the feast day of Blessed Oscar Romero, the 31st anniversary of his assassination. May we be inspired by that occasion to rededicate ourselves to the obedience of God. May we be about the work of sowing truth, justice, love, and goodness on earth. May we remember his final words as we pray that God will give us the courage to give our bodies and our blood to suffering and pain, as Christ did, not for our own sake, but to bring justice and peace to the people. Amen. Please pray with me. God, 
May you give us hearts like your faithful servant, Oscar, that wherever we go, you will be there. Teach us to tend to the suffering of others before we tend to our own comforts. Let your justice roll down and your love overcome every evil of this world. Amen.